MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, May 1st, 2020. Today, Trump brushes off opinion polls showing Biden in the lead for president. Dozens of bodies found in a U-Haul truck at a Brooklyn funeral home. Trump officials are said to press spies to link COVID and Wuhan labs. Job losses deepen during the pandemic, topping 30 million. The Department of Justice releases select FBI notes in the Flynn case. Dr. Fauci said we could have a vaccine by January. And I'll speak with former federal prosecutor Barb McQuaid. I'm your host, A.G., and with me today is Jordan Coburn. Hello. It's going to be May. Yes, it's going to be May. Um, oh, my God. I just got is- that. <laughs> I was like, where is she going to go with this after this clip? I have, I have no clue what is to come. That makes perfect sense. It's May 1st, May Day, May Day, which means, of course, Attorney General Barr is having a Q&A session, I don't know, on Twitter or Instagram or something. Uh, and uh, I know like Frank Fogluzzi has submitted some great questions, and uh, I'm I'm interested to see how that turns out. Uh, but he's apparently opening himself up for some questions. Um, April went a lot faster than March, don't you think? I agree completely. I feel like the longer this goes, um, for people that are doing okay and very lucky to be doing okay like myself, the more time goes on, the more my brain sort of adjusts to it and finds a new normal. So I do feel like April went by faster than March. Even the last week of March, (laughs) it was like... Oh, the last, yeah, the last five days, I was like, ah, oh, it was like trudging through wet sand. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Morrissey. <laughs> Always got a bunch of nice sad metaphors on hand. <laughs> yeah, if it's a sad metaphor, it's in a Smith song. It'll be there. Um, God, what a prick that guy is. Uh, anyway, how are you? How's, uh, how's quarantine life? It's going good. Um, I am finding a new apartment right now which is kind of a funky thing to do in the middle of quarantine ryan and i are totally good but we're splitting up our leases up in june so that's just you know it's like everybody's got different rules the lease terms are weird so i'm just trying to like navigate that i don't know if i even like want to sign on to a 12 month lease so just kind of dealing with some new stress on that end and trying to be very safe throughout it all as well but other other than that i am I'm doing okay. Some of my other freelancing work is picking back up again, which is a really good sign just for at least our local economy in general. Um, so I'm doing I'm doing good, and I'm trying to not feel guilty about that. Good. Um, yeah, don't feel guilty. Don't feel guilty about yeah. that. Um, yeah. You know, moving can be stressful, but I, I always like if I just focus on the the like that awesome thought about getting. a a new space and being able to put your shit in it and like having your own area like i if i I focus on that that it helps with the anxiety of actually having to move totally well i'm glad uh i'm glad things are going well things are good over here um you know uh me and the cats (laughs) uh quarantine day 47 yep Something like that? Yeah, I think I'm on 40... Yeah, I'm on either 46 or 47 myself. Yeah, and because I, I actually, I think the night that you and I 
and Joelle and Amanda hung out was like the last was like the last hangs. Yes, it was. I remember thinking during that hang that this felt sort of like bootleggy. <laughs> yeah, I um I remember that day earlier that day being at the gym. And we were having this fitness challenge, right? Like an eight-week fitness challenge. You're supposed to weigh in at the end of it. And I was supposed to weigh in the next day, which was a Friday. And I, I went, I like, after class that morning on that Thursday, I was like, can I just weigh in now just in case? I just, I feel, I just feel like I just want to get it in, you know? And they're like, yeah, sure. And they weighed me and, um, and then bam, they closed down that night. So... I didn't win. I don't know what I, I don't think that they <laughs> they, they get like had a like finish the contest. But uh, because, you know, they closed down right in between weigh ins. But um, anyway, I was I had a f- weird feeling and I had a weird feeling that night sitting around the table having wine, too. Mm-hmm. And then it all went to shit. Yes. Yes. All right. And yeah. And that that last 10 days, 13 days of March was ridiculously slow. So I'm glad April went by fast. And um it's going to be May, so <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, we do have a lot of news to get to, so uh, let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, so we have a few updates here from Jordan. Jordan, what do you got for us? Yeah, so I have a few coronavirus updates, and then I'm I, I thrown in a random story at the end, just to switch it up. Um Excellent. Yes, excellent. So I'm going to start with a first story about uh, Fauci. Anthony Fauci, he said on Thursday, which is uh, yesterday, if you're not a patron today, if you are, uh, he said it's it's possible that in January we're going to have hundreds of millions of doses of a COVID-19 vaccine. And that's obviously dependent on a lot of different things, but the Trump administration is going to try to speed up that vaccine development, and somebody asked him if he thought it was even in the realm of possibility for them to actually be ready to go. He said, I do. He said, we want to go quickly, but we want to make sure it's safe and it's effective. I think that is doable if things fall in the right place. What he did point out, though, is essentially what's going to be key in making it that, making it so that that January delivery date is possible is going to be them getting ahead of the manufacturing deadlines that typically play out over time with other vaccines and they're going to kind of rush those so basically he said before it's even confirmed that the vaccine works for sure they're going to start the manufacturing Mm. process um which is very experimental and and different as far as I know, I don't I don't believe that that happens often at all. He said, we're going to start ramping up production with the companies involved, and you do that at risk. In other words, you don't wait until you get an answer before you start manufacturing. You, at risk, proactively start making it, assuming it's going to work. And if it does, then you can scale up and hopefully get to that timeline. So, yeah, that's pretty crazy. That's very fast. That's incredibly fast. For what all the other projections have been, you're supposed to be 18 months. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that is, and I, I, I heard somewhere that it's actually common uh, during things like this. You know, it, this hasn't really happened in the United States before, but mm-hmm. it has in other places that they that they rush to produce even before the trials are done, mm-hmm. just in case. You know, just in case they got it right. <laughs> yeah, to shorten up the t- the timeline, I think it's. Uh, w- monetarily worth it to scrap everything after you make it if it didn't work than it is to have to ramp it up afterwards or wait or you know uh the cost of lives that that um that it is so that's that's good to know there's some precedent around the world for it 
other otherwise i mean it's it's still you know do what do what we can as fast as we can if other countries have done that successfully that gives me hope that it's it's going to be a financially worth it um cost benefit you know analysis now i wish the the government had invoked the defense production act to force them to do that at no cost instead of probably paying them a bunch of taxpayer money but yeah totally i also wonder like what the legal ramifications of of that are if any just in terms of p- potentially know. pumping out something that hasn't been, you know, approved necessarily yet. If there's any kind of, I mean, if the government's ordering it, I, I imagine everybody's safe. But well, I don't think they'll start inoculating people until it's been proven mm-hmm. uh, effective and safe. They're just producing it right. early, just trying to get a stockpile ready. Yeah, totally. And then if it's no good, you just throw it all away. Oops. Oh well. Yeah. I imagine there's going to be rich billionaires out there that find a way to procure these things before they go out to the general public. I guess they can be the the guinea pigs for once. (laughs) (laughs) That would be so interesting if all the rich people were like, give it to me first. I don't care. And then they all died. Oh, God. Uh, Horrible to joke about, but very funny. Why am I laughing? I know. I don't know. I know. That's funny to me, too. Because that would be the most peaceful revolution. (laughs) Yes, it would. Ever. Everybody was trying to do the right thing. When when does when does that ever happen? Everyone's trying to act in the right way, and still, um, there's a leveling out of of the class warfare. But yes, yes. <laughs> um, I, I I heard this, and I don't know if it's true, but I heard that Joe Rogan. I mean, he's obviously like so fucking rich. I heard that he just has COVID-19 testers, like, on site, and that's how he's able to have these in-person interviews. So whenever people go to do it, they can, like, get tested and then know the answers, and then they either move forward or don't with the interview based on that. Interesting. Isn't that fucking crazy? I also heard Whitney Cummings has, like, hydrochloroquine and, like, all of the even potentially, you know working drugs for it just like these people are so rich <laughs> they just have all they're able to procure these things and just have them in their house it's i'm laughing but it's actually like very telling about how shit works in this country um mm, but yeah. yeah but yeah that's that's just crazy to me but so i think that that's uh good news i think this is good news and something to you know look at with as they say cautious optimism yes mm-hmm. uh next we've got a story coming out of michigan a lot of you probably already saw this already, but uh, there's hundreds of people that protested outside Michigan's Capitol building in Lansing today, and they, <laughs> some of them were holding guns, and they were pushing themselves inside the legislator that was debating on the extension of uh, Governor Whitmer's state of emergency declaration in response uh, to COVID-19. So they were holding signs, you know, waving flags, waving their guns and shit, chanting stuff like, let us in, and this is the people's house, you cannot lock us out. And some tried to actually get onto the house floor, and they were stopped, obviously, by the state police and and stuff. Um, But a state policeman did tell, or a state police spokesman, did tell NBC News that it is legal in Michigan to carry firearms as long as it's done with lawful intent and the weapon is visible. That's a interesting... Lawful... I'm trying to bust into the house floor with my guns. How is that lawful intent? 
Where <laughs> that's very interesting to I me. don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But when the Black Panthers did this, Reagan was for gun control. So I I I don't understand. First of all, I don't understand what the fuck you need the guns for. Right. What are the guns for? I mean, I couldn't tell you. To me, I think it's just having like two dicks, basically. But other than that, I don't really, I don't know. And one of them's really <laughs> tiny. <laughs> yeah. It, but what do you it, fucking it, need the gun for, dude? What do you need the fucking gun for? I just don't. Uh, robbers? Home invasion? Yeah, I mean, you could you could make like a couple different arguments, I guess. One of them being maybe that, you know, they're just wielding these like symbols of liberty. They've got the flag in one hand and a gun in the other. That's best case interpretation. The other is they're trying to be threatening holding their guns walking into a state capitol. And it's like, it's just adorable. That's really what it is. You know, it's like you don't fucking have any shit over any of this. We were talking about this before we like hopped on the phone. All of these like gun toting like this is my fucking country. I'm I'm going to actually break into the state capital people have a egregiously misunderstood sense of what liberties in America actually mean. As long as you still have a government, you're not going to be allowed to do that <laughs> like you envision it in your head. That's just not how we live. I know that that's the idea that's been sold to you and and what feels nice, you know, to like believe and fucking shit out of your mouth all over the place, but that's just like not how it works living in a civilized society with a government. You don't get to intimidate your leaders with guns. And what are you protesting? Like, somebody summed it up, like, my thought, if y'all listen to me, I had a rant the other day about, you want to go back to your shit job for no wages, and you're protesting, and you're risking your life to do that, so you can make wealthy people wealthier. Um, Natalia Kelly said, y'all really would rather reopen the country and kill millions instead of just, like, demanding a debt rent freeze and temporary UBI until we're in the clear? Right. Uh, she says, y'all simping so hard for capitalism, you're protesting to let your nana, peepaw, and all your compromised friends die so you can return to your shitty middle management corporate job like some sort of beta cuck for the oligarchs? Yes. Little dick energy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, why? What are you doing? What are you even thinking? I know. I mean. Why are you fighting for your, for your, to be oppressed? We want to make, we want to be peasants. When do we want it? Now. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah, but what the fuck? I completely agree with that assessment and and it's like, look, I completely understand if you're like this is America, we're supposed to have these certain, you know, inalienable rights and stuff and if in your opinion this infringes on them, you have the right to protest. I believe that. I believe that you have that right. I do believe that that is a pillar of this country. Gr with that being said, you also have to understand that we still have a police force. We still have a government that is leaps and bounds ahead of you in terms of who holds the power you need to understand they're the ones that make the call when you stay in this civil union you are signing a uh existential contract with the society you're in that you're not shit basically so when they call you out for it and don't allow you to go into the house floor with guns i just don't really see how anybody if they're being even remotely self-aware or realistic could actually sit there and be like boi boiling over that. What do you want that you're not getting? 
What do you want that you can't have? A haircut? Right. I mean, you can cut your own hair at home, man. What do you want? What is it that what liberty is being infringed upon? Your right to work for someone else? Right. And if that's the case, that's a fair criticism. Go get a fucking job. Yeah. Go get go get a job. There are, there are a bunch of places that are hiring right now. Go get a job. I never thought that I would be saying that as a fucking liberal, but go get a fucking job, dude. If you're Yeah, <laughs> Trump just ordered Trump just did an executive order to keep all meatpacking plants open. Go work at a meatpacking exactly. plant. Exactly. Exactly. And also, you know what else is like causing so much of this economic devastation that you're talking of which is true this is economically devastating there's there's no way to slice it any other way ask for more ubi protest for more money for yourself like like you're totally glossing over the fact that you're refusing to accept that you live in a place that has a government that makes the call and instead of protesting the government to try to, you know, increase the things that they're already at least proving they're willing to give you, which would just logically be the better choice. Instead of doing that, you're just trying to blow past it entirely and bring guns to intimidate them to do something you know they're just not going to do. They're not going to do it. So why wouldn't you spend your time asking them for more money which would which i agree i'll go to the fucking i won't go to the protest you can bring me on a skype on a laptop but like i will fucking also be there with you in spirit at demanding that which is by the way what democrats have been trying to do for people but of course they don't think about that at all no (sighs) nope anyway all right (laughs) (laughs) we don't have guns we just have vocal cords <laughs> that's that is my that's the only weapon i have the penis mightier <laughs> <laughs> that's the pen is mightier who's are you selling penis mightier penis I'm... mightier that's another one that just dude it's gonna be may the penis mightier it's gonna be may <laughs> yeah that's from celebrity jeopardy uh. i'll take anal bum cover i'll take jap anus <laughs> relations i'll take the rapist yeah oh my gosh uh that's one of those um to put to put a button on that story really quick um is that a phrase to put a button on that did i just make that up i, uh, I think you did but i like it put like pin like it. what was it the pebble what was it the pebble of the look over here pebble the look over here pebble <laughs> that's a distraction yeah <laughs> that was the best Uh, okay so yeah yes to put a bow on it thank you to put a bow on it that's what i was looking for nobody wants to open a present that has a button what the hell is that (laughs) to put a bow on it uh michigan state lawmakers are going to vote or they're expected to at least on that 28 day extension before it expires uh today at midnight so we can look to see what happens there. Who knows? Mm. Maybe the guns will have entered their heart. Not literally, but figuratively. <laughs> yeah, I was saying, yeah, that's <laughs> probably dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> um, Do they have insurance for that? I don't know. Right. But yeah, so that's some shit that's going on in Michigan. And to end on a serious note, because that's what is warranted, especially in Michigan right now, they still have more than 40,000 cases, and it's one of the hardest hit states. So, again, just please fucking 
rethink. I mean, none of our listeners are doing this, but, and I'm sure any of your friends or family that are talking about it, you're just like, God, how do I even fucking talk to them about this? I don't blame you if you don't want to even try to convince them, but if you feel like it, fucking maybe bring up the UBI point. Maybe just be like, hey, why? I'm just curious. Why wouldn't you be asking for more money right now instead of reopening the entire economy, which an overwhelming majority of people, including your dear leader, have said at times it's too soon. <sighs> well, if they if they don't want free money from the government, then they want to work. And like you said, I just tweeted, uh, Trump just signed an executive order that all meatpacking plants stay open. Why don't these protesters go work in a meatpacking plant? They're hiring because most of their workforce is sick and dying. Go live your dreams <sighs> of freedom. God. Uh, yeah go do that go do that if if it's if it's you know i want to work i want a job there, there's plenty and uh, my final story is kind of a random story a huge shift away from coronavirus so it's a, about space uh today it was announced that they have picked three finalists uh to be chosen to replicate a apollo era lunar excursion module it's a f- the that four-legged gold foil, <laughs> so ugly it was beautiful machine, they call it, um, that landed six crews onto the surface of the moon from 1969 to 1972. And the Trump administration, you know, they've been like talking about Space Force and shit. So I'm having a hard time right now because part of me thinks space exploration when it makes sense and when it is safe is a really beautiful manifestation of humanity and you know if if it's done in a way that's like yeah just not harmful and not stupid then i think i think it's pretty fucking dope personally uh on the other hand Mm. on the other hand you have what what do you think about that is that like are you like anti-space travel no i'm pro 100 percent. go spend the money right I feel so t- I feel so fucking torn because it's like now Trump and his people are talking about this stupid space force shit when half of their base doesn't even believe we ever went to the moon. It's like know your fucking audience, dude. But then uh so I so I have a hard time because I know that this is probably very ex- exciting uh to the Trump people <laughs> and I'm just a bitter I'm a bitter bitch. I think the Trump people just want to prove that the I think they just want to prove the earth is flat, which is what they think. <laughs> oh, uh, and I think somebody posted, I'm not sure who, but they were like, I bet this social distancing has the flat earthers worried because it's going to really push them over the edge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Um, oh, they're, Trump, Trump, though, they, his admin, they, administration, they have a target of of getting astronauts back to the moon by 2024. But to do that, NASA's going to need a funding boost of $3 billion which will ultimately lead to $25 billion total in 2022. And then from there, they need additional bumps in funding that will bring it up to $26 billion and then $27 billion in 2023 and 2024, respectively. So that's just, that's a lot of funding right now that, uh, you know, it kind of looks like we don't really have to play around with too much right now. And I don't think it would be mm. a very good or, or smart move to prioritize this ki- this spending right now. Uh when we're trying to combat this pandemic, obviously. So it'll be interesting to see what effects that kind of has on those plans. But in general, I do think that it's cool because, yeah, it's just fucking cool. And and there's a lot of private companies that are bidding for 
making the best machine and you know the private sector starting to get very much integrated with spacex and, and other companies and everything so it's just very very interesting just a little breather from some covid news mm, nice i'm appreciative that's all i got well thank you very much yes it's gonna be may <laughs> and i i appreciate those updates and um you will be back with us for the good news segment is that right yes yes i will all right, great. Well, coming up next, we have more headlines you don't want to miss, so uh, stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by Ritual. Now, more than ever in these days of COVID-19, we're all trying to focus on our nutrition, health, and trying to keep our immune system strong. That's why I want to share with you Ritual, the obsessively researched vitamin for women. Uh, Ritual's essentials have the nutrients most of us don't get enough of from food in all their clean, absorbable forms. There's no shady additives, no ingredients that can do more harm than good. Uh, just two easy-to-take capsules, and they provide nine nutrients you need to support a strong foundation for your health. I started taking Ritual, gosh, a long time ago, like a year ago, and I felt so much better. I have more energy, more clarity. Mentally, I feel good knowing that I'm getting all the vitamins my body needs. Uh, and so and Essential for Women is the ultimate multivitamin. It helps fill the gaps in a women's diet, in women's diets. So from, you know, D3 to omega-3, I do a lot of intermittent fasting, so I miss out a lot uh, on a lot of the nutrients that I'm supposed to get every day. And this fills in those gaps. And their no-nausea capsule design is gentle on my empty stomach, which is great because of the intermittent fasting thing I mentioned a second ago. And there's a mint tab in every bottle to keep things fresh so you don't get that fishy aftertaste that's common with most omega-3s. Ritual uses vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergen-free ingredients. It's delivered directly to your door, and a subscription is easy to start, and it's easy to snooze, and it's just $1 a day to have all the essential nutrients your body needs. Delivered every month, no strings attached. Better health doesn't happen overnight, and right now Ritual is offering our listeners 10% off your first three months. Fill in the gaps in your diet with Essential for Women, a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. Visit Ritual.com slash Daily Beans to start your Ritual today. That's 10% off during your first three months at Ritual.com slash Daily Beans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, some more headlines for you. Content warning on this first one. It's about uh, corpses, and it's pretty gross. Uh, and very sad. Uh, on Wednesday, the police got a call about some trucks with a terrible stench emanating from them in Brooklyn near a nursing home. And when they arrived, they discovered that inside the U-Haul rental truck and a tractor trailer, there were several dozen decomposing bodies. New York State Health Department, uh, which regulates funeral homes, was also called to the scene in the borough's flatlands section to determine whether the funeral home was handling the remains appropriately. And it issued two summonses, according to law enforcement officials briefed on that investigation. The spectacle of dead New Yorkers left to decay in broad daylight in rental trucks, unrefrigerated rental trucks on a crowded street in Brooklyn, underscored the scale of uh, challenges facing the city as it tries to absorb the effects of the pandemic. And Mayor of New York Bill de Blasio on Thursday morning described the discovery of the bodies as a horrible situation, absolutely unacceptable, he said. It appears the truck was full. The tractor trailer was full. They were trying to use the U-Haul as a backup. Howard Zucker, the state health commissioner, said on Thursday that the health department had not received complaints about the funeral home in the past. Uh, he added the agency is now investigating the business, which could face fines or have its license, license suspended. Uh, the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office is looking into the incident as well. But the owner, Andrew Cleckley, said in an interview on Thursday that, like other funeral directors in New York, he had been overwhelmed by the relentless tide of bodies during the outbreak. 
Mr. Cluckley said uh, he had used the trucks for overflow storage, but only after he had filled his chapel with more than 100 corpses. He said, I ran out of space. Bodies are coming out of our ears. State officials did not make clear, like, what do you do in that situation? I mean, if you're this funeral home, and I think he was a front for several other funeral homes, too, and you're full of, what do you do? The, uh, Mr. Cleckley said his parlor was unable to purchase refrigerated trailers because of shortages. Everyone's buying them. He was unable to. State officials did not make clear what civil or criminal penalties Mr. Cluckley would face for allowing decedents entrusted into his care to decompose. Uh, under state regulations, funeral directors are required to store bodies awaiting burial or cremation in appropriate conditions that prevent infection to others. Um, but what do you do? You've got bodies piling up. You have no room. You can't get a refrigerated truck. They're all sold out or rented. So he rented a U-Haul. Um, and here's an interesting story from the New York Times. And I haven't seen this in the mainstream media. But senior Trump administration officials have pushed American spy agencies to hunt for evidence to support an unsubstantiated theory that a government laboratory in Wuhan, China, was the origin of the coronavirus outbreak. And this is according to current and former American officials. The effort comes as Trump uh, escalates a public campaign to blame China for the pandemic. This, of course, goes along with that leaked GOP campaign strategy memo I told you about yesterday, telling Republican candidates to blame everything on China. And um, some intelligence analysts are concerned that pressure from administration officials would distort assessments about the virus um, and that they could be used as a political weapon in an intensifying battle with China. Um, this seems really fucking gross to me to to command your zero intel lackey lapdob fuckface asshole jerkwad director of national intelligence rick grinnell tell him to tell his spy agencies that they have to go find out they have to go spend resources looking to make a connection between government labs in wuhan china and coronavirus when this has been debunked by scientists, actual scientists that do maths. Most intelligence agencies remain skeptical. Good. Um, but they're skeptical that uh, conclusive evidence of a link to a lab can be found. And scientists who have studied the genetics of the coronavirus say the overwhelming probability is that it came from, uh, it left from animal to human in a, a non-laboratory setting, as was the case with HIV, Ebola, and SARS. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, a former CIA director uh, and total asshole, uh, and the administration's most vocal hardliner on China. I don't know, Tom Cotton's a pretty close second, but he's taking the lead in pushing American intelligence agencies for more information. And this is according to current and former officials. Go, former officials. Blow that whistle. But in a statement released Thursday, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence said the intelligence community will continue to rigorously examine emerging information and intelligence to determine whether the outbreak began through contact with infected animals or if it was a result of an accident in a laboratory in Wuhan. Our fucking DNI, Rick Grinnell, ladies and gentlemen. But the intelligence agencies concur, they said in this statement, and this is kind of a breath of fresh air, concur with the wide scientific consensus that COVID-19 was not man-made or genetically modified. So, Mr. Trump is Mr. Trump. <laughs> Why did I put that? Uh, uh, Trump 
has spoken publicly about the administration's very serious investigations of the virus's origin and China's culpability. Uh, those inquiries on new urge took on new urgency um, at the end of last month and like late March, and that's when intelligence community officials presented information to the White House that prompted some career officials to reconsider the lab theory. The precise nature of the information, based in part on intercepted communications among Chinese officials, is unclear. So that sounds like CIA to me. I don't know. We'll see. Could be NSA. And fuck knows what they do. The current and former officials uh, did not say whether Trump himself, who has shown little regard for the independent judgment of you know intelligence and law enforcement officials, uh, they didn't say whether he's pressured the intelligence agencies directly that he does want any information supporting the lab theory to set the stage for holding China responsible. And that's according to two people familiar with his thinking. You remember when they were trying to put together the resolution for the UN and they wanted to put the, the origins in China, et cetera, et cetera. They really, really are out to blame China on this. And since uh, it, it, I, I'm not sure, I, I think what happened was when Trump praised them several, several, several times in, in February and early March, I think he's saying I was just sweet talking them because we were in the middle of a trade deal, which is basically him saying, ha ha, I fucked you over, uh, China. Well, ha ha ha, I tricked you into the trade deal, which is a shit trade deal anyway. Uh, but why would you say that? And why would you do that? And I don't understand. If you're going to be a hardliner on China, you need to be a hardliner on China. Uh, uh, <laughs> and now we can't. We can't because he's gone back and forth on this and nobody fucking knows what's on his he was nice to him said they praised him at least 14 times uh, and in a bunch of tweets did they wonderful beautiful job handling the coronavirus thing and now he's blaming china for the whole thing and wanting to put it in the u.n resolution and trying to make this shit happen and and spreading the you know the chinese virus the wuhan virus trying to make that stick and nobody was falling for it uh, and, and then he goes back and says, oh, no, it's all China's fault. I know I was nice to them, but it was only because I was trying to trick them. Ha ha ha. And then now there's this and the, the GOP memo we saw go out to telling the candidates running for Republican office to to pivot and, and blame China. Don't blame Trump, blame China. So it's just... And, of course, you throw into the mix the fact that Donald Trump owes them $960 million, almost a billion dollars, from a real estate deal. That loan comes due in two years. And that's a little uncomfortable. Ooh. And, um, you know, then the Tammy Duckworth letter where she's like, hey, how come you owe them uh, a billion dollars? Well, $200 million, $211 million, I think, out of the out of the billion. You owe that to them. That's come and due in a couple years here. Uh, why did you ship them 18 tons of PPE in February when we need it? After you'd been warned several times? Oh, and the Washington Post said that it was in your presidential daily brief at least a dozen times. Why did? What's that about? And saying nice things about China? Are you compromised? What's happening? We need an investigation. I hope we get it. A uh, former intelligence official described senior aides' repeated emphasis with a lab theory as conclusion shopping, a disparaging term among analysts uh, that has echoes of the Bush administration's 2002 push for assessments saying, uh, you know, the weapons of mass destruction. Conclusion shopping. Uh, the CIA has yet to unearth any data beyond circumstantial evidence to bolster the lab theory, according to current and former government officials. 
The agency has told policymakers it lacks enough information to either affirm or refute it. Only getting access to the lab itself and the virus samples it contains could provide definitive proof if it exists. Trump pulled the team out of China. Good job. The Defense Intelligence Agency recently changed its analytic position to formally leave open the possibility of a theory of lab origin, officials say. Senior agency officials have asked analysts to take a closer look at those labs. The reason for the change is unclear. I know why it happened, but some officials attribute it to the intelligence analyzed in recent weeks. Others took a more jaundiced view that the agency is trying to curry favor with White House officials. Oh, that's, that'd be the side I'm on. A spokesperson for the agency, James Kudla, disputed that characterization. It's not DIA's role to make policy decisions or value judgments, and we do not. Mm-hmm, okay. Now, if you care about science, like I said, scientists have concluded after looking at the virus in a microscope and running tests using the scientific theory and the scientific method and math, that there's no evidence the virus has been tampered with by humans. The odds were astronomical against a lab release as opposed to the event in nature. That's according to Christian Anderson. How cute. The lead author of a paper published in Nature Medicine and a specialist in infectious disease at the Scripps Research Translational Institute, Translational Institute in California. That's right, right up the road. And um, yeah, so science says no. Unless what they're trying to say, what what they're uh, postulating here, or they're hoping that the CIA will, quote unquote, come up with evidence for, is that, yeah, it existed in nature, but they were fucking around with it in the lab and running tests and doing stuff, and it escaped the lab. It's the government's fault. And then, you know, then they can blame China, the government of China. Not the people. I love the people of China. China. China people. And it's Thursday, which means last week unemployment claims numbers. Uh, last week's unemployment claims numbers are out. We have added 3.8 million to the unemployment rolls. It was estimated that the projection from The Economist was 3.5 million. Um, that is the biggest. Uh, the biggest numbers are coming out of California, Florida, and Georgia, by the way. That puts the six-week total above 30 million jobs lost. Uh, a while back, uh, about a month and a half ago, they had predicted, maybe about a month ago, maybe five weeks ago, uh, the Fed had predicted 42 million. And so we're at 30. Um, and they, they predicted 42 million t- all told when this is all said and done. Um, but that, that, you know, because they, they had predicted predicted 3.5 and got 3.8 that could have lent itself to the stock market ending the day's trading down over 200 points from bloomberg news quote while filings remain at levels unseen before the crisis uh, it is a fourth week that the pace has decelerated suggesting that the worst of the labor market hit may have already occurred at the same time job losses remain far from over and employment is expected to take years to recover plus more layoffs could be in store as municipalities face severe budget crunches. So people working for states and cities and local governments. If Trump doesn't send money without, you know, unless we get rid of our sanctuary city status, well, let's the state file bankruptcy so the feds can take over. Um, The April jobs report is due out next Friday. Uh, It's expected to account for a decline of 22 million jobs in April and an unemployment rate of 16.3%. 
I am really interested to see how the market reacts in the face of the Feds propping up, you know, major corporations and interest rates being non-existent. I mean, it's it seems like this artificial propping up, shoring up of the government. I, I don't know if you'd call it artificial. It's actually happening and it's totally unprecedented, but it's a prop up for sure. Uh, I can hear Kai Rizdal in my head saying the economy is not the stock market. Stock market is not the economy. But uh, this market has reacted so oddly to all of this. I'm just curious about which way it's going to go. It's totally unpredictable. I mean, it always is, but not like this. You would think with 30 million jobs, uh, GDP in the toilet, and some of the other numbers I'm about to tell you, housing facing a crisis, consumer confidence down, you would think the stock market would be down, but it is not. It could be that $4 trillion in paper the Treasury's pushing and the $500 billion in, in assistance to large corporations and the, the interest rate. So rich people can borrow for nothing. It's interesting. Interesting to watch. Continuing claims uh, or the total number of Americans receiving, unemployment benef- Americans receiving unemployment benefits rose by 2.17 million to a record 18 million uh, in the week ending April 18th. That sent the insured unemployment rate, which measures the unemployed receiving benefits as a share of the labor market, to 12.4%. Before the crisis, it was 1.2%. And the ongoing demand for unemployment benefits signals that the recession will be difficult to bounce back from. This is from Bloomberg. Quote, figures Wednesday show gross domestic product contracted in the first quarter by the most since 2008. And the second quarter is widely forecast as a historic decline. Less employment means less consumer spending, the largest part of the economy, and more weakness ahead as the drop in demand spreads to other industries. Separate data Thursday showed household spending, which accounts for about two-thirds of the economy, plunged by 7.5% in March from the prior month. That's the sharpest drop in Commerce Department records uh, back to 1959. That's when my house was built. Um, So beware. Trump is going to be pissed about this. He'll probably be surprised by it since he doesn't listen to anyone, doesn't read anything ahead of time. So we know he's going to be pissed, but we know it's coming. He probably doesn't, or at least he can't anticipate anticipate how markets and consumers will react. He's not the brightest crayon in the sea, and his Fed share is the first Fed share without a degree in economics, though even podcasting comedians with news swears can see the writing on the wall. But uh, Trump tends not to believe shit that doesn't suit him. For instance, Trump told Reuters on Wednesday he does not believe opinion polls showing his likely Democratic opponent Joe Biden leads him in the 2020 race for the White House. Uh, He said he did not expect the election to be a referendum on his handling of the coronavirus pandemic and voiced surprise the former vice president was doing so well. Huh. But I have Russia help. I mean, why is he doing so well? He said, I don't believe the polls. I believe the people of this country are smart. I don't think they will put a man in who's incompetent. (laughs) They did. Um, Trump has criticized Biden's decades-long record as a U.S. senator. As President Barack Obama's vice president, uh, Biden is expected to win his party's nomination for the November 3rd election. Uh, we know that. At an August convention. That's not in July this year. It's in August. And I don't mean incompetent because of a condition that he's got. I mean he's incompetent for 30 years. He, he, he's had the condition for 30 years, by the way. Everything he ever did was bad. His foreign policy was a disaster. Trump said. 
On Thursday, the Biden campaign spokesman, Andrew Bates, said Trump's response to the coronavirus crisis suggested that he bought Chinese government propaganda about the pandemic being contained and that it had diminished Trump's credibility. What he's saying here, and I think that this is a fascinating way to look at it, is had you read your fucking presidential daily briefs or listened to the person who is giving them to you two to three times a week because you don't read them or watch the interpretive dancers who come in and do their interpretive dance of the president's daily brief or however the fuck you're supposed to ingest it, had you paid attention, you would have known. You would have realized that, that, the, that China was trying to pull the wool over your eyes. Um, but you are stupid. You have no credibility. You are a danger to this country. 63, 62,000 dead. You, you told us 62,000 by August 4th. It's, it's May. It's May 1. Um, in an email statement, the spokesman wrote that the, the Biden spokesman said the Biden campaign put zero stock in what Trump believes. <laughs> So would I. Uh, a Reuter Ipsos poll, opinion poll conducted this week about uh, a general election matchup showed 44 percent of registered voters would vote for Biden with 40 saying they would support Trump. So that's the Reuters Ipsos poll as it stands. What are we, seven months, six months out? Anyway, we will be right back to discuss the Flynn case. Last from the past with former federal prosecutor Barb McQuaid. So stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this Helping of Daily Beans is brought to you by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in under 24 hours. Everybody needs a little help, especially right now. This is a really tough time. And BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. BetterHelp service is available for clients worldwide with a broad range of expertise in their counselor network, which may not be locally available in your area. And that's why it's so convenient. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change your counselor if you need to. And it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. Visit their website and read their testimonials. You will see what I mean. Uh, visit BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 700,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Joining me today to discuss the Flynn case and Trump's response is former federal prosecutor and MSNBC contributor Barb McQuaid. Barb, thanks for agreeing to speak with me today. Oh, you bet. Thanks for having me. How are you holding up? Is everything going great over there in your neck of the woods? Uh, you know, like most people, I am quarantined and a little stir crazy. But in light of all of the suffering that others are enduring, I uh, am grateful for good health and uh, a job that allows me to work online. So I have no complaints. Yes, wonderful. I try to remind myself of the things I'm grateful for every day as well. So thank you for sharing that. Now, 
Trump uh, went on a Twitter tirade yesterday and the day before about Flynn and Comey and the Mueller investigation and today referred to the FBI as dirty cops after calling them human scum last week and a few times previously. He's been he's been on this for a while. Uh, but this is seemingly because the, they have released some select handwritten notes from FBI agents in the Flynn case. So first, I was hoping you could tell us what was in these notes that he's on about. So the notes that got turned over were a result of this review that Attorney General William Barr has ordered of the Flynn investigation by another U.S. attorney, as he has with all matters relating to Russia. And among the documents that were turned over were some notes by FBI agents about their interview with Michael Flynn. And uh, it appears to me to be strategy and brainstorming about how they're going to approach him asking the trying to anticipate questions that Michael Flynn might ask, discussing their strategy, um, talking about at what point in the interview they ought to remind him that it's a crime uh, to lie to the FBI and the like. Um, and I think some of the outrage um, that uh, is being expressed by Michael Flynn and his lawyers is they have framed it as um, this proves the FBI was uh, out to get Flynn. It was a setup and that they framed him. Um, I see nothing of the kind within these documents, and it seems to me um, likely not likely to succeed in the court in getting his guilty plea thrown out, but perhaps an effort to support um, a pardon if that's what Trump wants to do. Yeah, and it just strikes me as odd because let's say I'm being held up at gunpoint and let's say I fail to remind the perpetrator that it is against the law to shoot me. Uh, but he does anyway, uh, that doesn't let him off the hook. So I'm wondering why people are saying, you know, oh, they, you know, the FBI agents wanted to slip it into the interview that to remind him it was illegal to lie to the FBI. Do they legally even have to do that? They don't. But I think this is one of those areas where, you know, we as members of the public know just enough about the law sometimes to make us dangerous. We've all watched these police shows where people get Miranda warnings, and we know that those are required. But that's not what this is. So Miranda warnings, of course, are you have the right to remain silent, you have the right to an attorney, and those rights are legally required when someone is arrested, so in custody and being questioned. And that's not what was going on here. Instead, this was um, a notice that makes it easier for prosecutors to prosecute someone when they lie to the FBI. The Supreme Court has held an element of a false statement is that it be done willfully. That is, mm. that the prosecutor has to prove that the person knew it was illegal to lie to the FBI. And so to do that, one of the strategies that the department has come up with is to say, well, I'll tell you what, FBI, let's make it easy on the prosecutors. Whenever you interview somebody, you should tell them at some point in the interview, you realize it's a lie, it's a crime to lie to me, don't you? And the person will either say, either no, I don't, or thanks for telling me that I didn't, but now I do. And that way, uh, when you prosecute the case, you can say at the time the person told the lie, they knew it was illegal to do so. So there is some conversation about that. The agent asks, should I do this at the beginning or do I have to do it right at the moment uh, the person tells the lie? And in fact, I believe um, most often it's done at the beginning of the interview, and that's probably the best practice. And so he was asking which is probably not uh, the, the greatest display of professionalism in the world, whether I can slip it in somewhere. Um, if you're going to do it and make it the, the only person who suffers from the slipping of it in um, is the prosecutor who's going to have to prove this case later in court. Um, 
but it's not a legally required rule. And I would submit that even if they hadn't done it whatsoever, you could still prove that Michael Flynn knew it was a crime to lie to the FBI. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, he's a, he's an army general. I, I would think if you get to a certain point in your career, you probably realize it's not kosher to lie, to lie to the FBI. Uh, but you know, I mean, they, and they did, and they put it in there and, and that you're right. That makes it much more prosecutable. Um, can you explain to me, my friend, uh, Scott Weinberg, uh, has referred to jokingly referred to the supermarket as a shoplifting trap. Uh, can you, can you explain to our listeners why people are calling this a perjury trap and how that really isn't a thing? Yeah. Um, and, and again, this is something that we're hearing from, from supporters of, of Michael Flynn. Um, and the, the grocery store example is a good one. You know, if, if you want to avoid committing perjury, don't commit perjury. Um, or, or, or the, this idea of a perjury trap is described in the justice manual. I've never seen it. I've never seen anyone accused of it. But the idea is if you have no legitimate purpose for asking questions of a suspect and the sole reason you are going to see them is to try to get you to lie to them, then that could be considered a perjury trap. Um, certainly that's not what happened here. The FBI agents were meeting with Michael Flynn and wanted to ask him questions because they had in their possession recordings of him talking to the Russian ambassador, telling them that they could safely disregard the sanctions that had been put in place by the U.S. government during the Obama administration. Um, in December of 2016, while the Obama administration was still in office, telling them, don't worry about it, we'll take care of you on the other end. And by the way, we'd like you to vote a certain way on a UN uh, Security Council resolution relating to Israeli settlements as well. Um, they, they had legitimate reasons to talk to him. They also, uh, he ultimately admitted to filing false documents in relation to his uh, work on behalf of the government of Turkey in his registration as a, as a foreign agent. And so um, they also wanted to know not only about Russian involvement in uh, the election, but whether Michael Flynn was compromised. He had one of the most sensitive jobs in government as the national security advisor. If you have someone who is working with Russia and against our government in that position, it's critically important to know that. So the idea that the only reason they had to meet with him was to catch him in a lie is, is really just not, not true. That he ultimately pleaded guilty to that was a result of his early cooperation uh, and, and that he wasn't charged with more serious crimes is because of that, which we know now has uh, has unraveled in the two years or so since these events initially occurred. Right. He went from being a cooperating witness in the Bijan Rafikian case to being a unindicted co-conspirator uh, after he yeah, after his shenanigans. Um, now, also, you mentioned in your Twitter thread the, uh, the Brady material, because a lot of folks on the Trump side are saying, oh, it's the Brady information. It's stuff that exonerates Flynn and et cetera. That's not this, right? No, this isn't Brady material at all. And again, I think this is one of those things where people um, who know only a little bit about the law um, might uh, conflate this with what's called Brady material. Brady comes from a case called Brady versus Maryland uh, that says that the due process clause requires prosecutors to turn over to defendants uh, any evidence that might be exonerating. And so that if uh, if they want to present that in their own defense, they have the ability to do that. But there's a very precise definition of what is and is not Brady material. Brady material is evidence favorable to the accused that is material to guilt or punishment. So when you think about what Michael Flynn's lie, crime was, lying to the FBI, 
There's nothing about the FBI's strategy that negates his guilt or his punishment. Um, it may suggest that they um, were strategizing, that they were brainstorming, that they were trying to come up with the best way um, to be the most effective in this interview. It could even be, which it's not, the case that they said they hate Michael Flynn or they hate President Trump. But as long as there's probable cause that the crime was committed, and as long as this material does not negate that evidence, then it is not by definition Brady material. So um, I, I would not have disclosed this material at all, ever. Um, the fact that the prosecutors didn't in the first instance is not surprising to me. If the author of these documents had been called as a witness to testify at trial at that point, the documents should have been turned over. It's what's known as Jenks material so that he could be cross-examined and you could try to uh, suggest that um, what he's testifying about now is different from what he testified about then. Um, but there's there's nothing about this that negates the fact that Michael Flynn lied, and that's the crime he was charged with. Yeah, and we have an example of Brady material in the Mueller investigation. Uh, I remember back when Mueller had to hand over some information he got in the Manafort Rick Gates situation where I think it was um, there were the accusation or something that the Manafort was giving the polling data to Kalimnik when actually it was Manafort who instructed Gates to continue to give the polling data to Kalimnik and when Mueller found that out he brought that forward and said this is possibly uh, you know, the, could benefit Manafort, and the judge decided it has no bearing. But Mueller has a track record of bringing forth Brady material. Yeah, and um, you know, prosecutors are told and trained to err on the side of inclusiveness. If you think, you know, you don't necessarily know what the theory of the defense is going to be, and so if there's any way, shape, or form you think this could be used uh, as exonerating material or to impeach the credibility of a witness, then you ought to turn it over. Um, you should, it, and to have a true Brady violation, um, it is. It, it must be that there was a failure to turn over that information before trial, and that the person was convicted at trial. So here, where Michael Flynn uh, didn't have a trial, he pleaded guilty. There is not a technically legally a Brady violation, but nonetheless, at the Department of Justice, hmm. prosecutors are encouraged to turn it over promptly upon discovery so that um, defendants have the benefit of that information when they are making a decision about whether to plead guilty, about you know whether they think that there's sufficient evidence in the case uh, to, to prove their guilt. They're allowed to know that, to kind of weigh that in their decision-making. But again, here, there's nothing about this that negates um, the Flynn's guilt. It isn't like someone else told this lie, or um, you misunderstood what what was said in the original phone call that you're comparing this to. You know that would be the nature of of Brady material. Um, th this is instead uh, going to the motives of the FBI agents, which is uh, not enough to show you know any sort of vindictive prosecution or framing or entrapment or any of those kinds of things. Yeah, and even the prosecution said it's not the content of the phone calls that's on trial here. It's that you had them and lied about them, and, and that's it. And I mean, we, and I remember from a couple of ex parte hearings behind closed doors and, you know, meetings at the bench that there were transcripts and audio tapes of these phone calls. Uh, and uh, the, the DOJ said, no, 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 no. And the judge was like, okay. And they kept them under seal and we never heard about that again, but they exist. There's tapes. Yeah. Um, and I, I imagine that these things were collected. I don't know, but pursuant to FISA, I don't imagine it was Michael Flynn who was being uh, recorded, but 
Ambassador Kislyak. That's just a guess. Um, but they nonetheless had these tapes. And so one of the things that you see in these documents is um, questions back and forth among the agents as to whether they ought to confront him with these documents and show him um, what he said before before asking him. And, and that's the part where they talk about um, what's our goal here. Is it to get him to admit what he said? Is it to admit his relationship to Russia? Is it to get him to lie and, and get him fired? And I don't think it suggests there that um, they're out to get him and out to get him fired. I think what it suggests is if we show him these documents, um, then you know he will be tipped off as to what we're going to ask him. And so we will be eliminating the option of charging him with false statements or perhaps removing from office a person who is compromised. And so we ought to think carefully about whether we first show him our cards uh, and perhaps jeopardize that option, or if we simply asked him about what he said to the Russian ambassador. And I think what they ultimately decided to do was something kind of down the middle, which is they didn't show him the recordings, but they asked him questions parroting some of the language that he used in his calls with Kislyak in an effort to be uh, fair to him and bending over backwards to help trigger his memory so that if he recalled those conversations, he would uh, be able to admit correctly wh what he said. Um, but nonetheless, he had a choice. He could decline to answer their questions. He could tell the truth or he could lie. And he chose to lie. And he later admitted in open court that he did lie. Uh, and um, and before I let you go, what's involved in withdrawing? Just I, this is probably you could teach a whole class on this, but basically what's involved in withdrawing a guilty plea? Do you th And do you think the judge will allow Flynn to do it in this case? Yeah, there's a standard in the federal rules that says there has to be a fair and just reason. So it's subject to quite a bit of interpretation, though it is rare. It is not for the purpose of a defendant who simply changes mind or has buyer's remorse. It really has to be that the judge is convinced either that the person is actually innocent or, you know, and that's not the only reason that there's something, something just fundamentally unfair about the process or things, circumstances have changed. And now we know that things are very different from what he thought that they were. But we have a transcript where previously, uh, in light of some of the pleadings Michael Flynn filed, uh, he was asked if he was guilty. And he said yes, whether he wished to withdraw his guilty plea. He said no, whether he believed he was entrapped. He said no. And so I think in light of that track record, uh, the mere fact that he has a new lawyer who believes in a scorched earth theory of defense is probably not going to be sufficient to change his mind. And nothing I've seen in, in these documents would persuade me if I were sitting as a judge to change my mind in this case. Yeah, and I don't think, uh, well, I'm not going to say I, this is a very, this is a great judge by the book, uh, a law abiding, you know, uh, rule of law judge. But he, he didn't, uh, in, in, in the previous hearings with Flynn, it didn't go so well. We'll just say that um, uh, for Flynn. Uh, but anyway, thank you so much for answering these questions for us, uh, former federal prosecutor, MSNBC contributor. You can find her on Twitter at Barb McQuaid. Barb, thanks for explaining all this to us. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. All right, everybody, we'll be right back with Amanda Reeder in the Good News Block along with Quarantine Confessions. So stay with us. Hey, friends, it's AG, and this portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by Caliper CBD. Countless products promise to promote wellness. But, you know, like drastic diets, extreme fitness, over-the-top supplement regimens, and the list never ends. But who says taking care of yourself has to be so 
friggin' hard. Calibre believes that everyone deserves to feel better, naturally, and drastic changes shouldn't be required to do that. That's why they made a more precise and reliable CBD product that's easier to take than CBD oil. Caliper CBD is the first to provide consistent, convenient, and precise CBD in a water-soluble powder. And unlike oils, Caliper CBD powder is completely tasteless, so you get all the benefits of a CBD in a dissolvable powder that mixes easily in your food or drink. You can feel better naturally without upending your lifestyle. I love that Caliper comes in convenient pre-measured packets, too, so I know exactly what I'm taking. It's easy to integrate into my daily routine, just to add it to my coffee in the morning. And I like that it doesn't have a weird grassy flavor. And best of all, Caliper CBD helps me with my stress, uh, helps me feel calm, uh, I feel less achy, it helps me sleep. So... Also, your body absorbs Caliper more rapidly than with oils. Caliper gives you all the benefits of CBD in just 15 minutes. That's twice as fast as CBD oil, and it's clinically proven that your body absorbs 450% more CBD with Caliper as compared to tinctures. Caliper is made with all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, very important to us here. No fillers, no added chemicals, no artificial flavors, and it comes in affordable 10 and 30 count packs, and you can get started for under 20 bucks. Get $20, or excuse me, get 20% off your first order when you use promo code AG at trycaliper.com slash dailybeans. Caliper is so sure you'll love the product, they even offer a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's trycaliper.com slash dailybeans. And don't, for, don't forget promo code dailybeans for 20% off your first order. All right, everybody, welcome back. It is finally, finally time for the good news block. And joining me today for the good news is Jordan Coburn. Hello again. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. Hello. All right, what do you got for us for good news and, and quarantine confessions and all that stuff? What's... uh. What's the latest? We have uh, so much good news. First off, I'm just going to kick it right off. We got from Anonymous. Anonymous says, I just found your podcast a few weeks ago, and thank you. It's such a great way to stay informed without watching the news, which makes me want to blow my brains out. Plus, you ladies seem so nice and are so funny. Thanks for what you do. Smiley face. Yay! Welcome! Oh, good news about us. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. That was... That was just one piece of bread and a compliment sandwich. There was no correction or... <laughs> yes. Uh, wow, I really... I like that. Yes. I like that. Totally. Thank you. Okay, next up is from Josephine. Josephine says, Good news update. British Captain Tom Moore, the World War II vet who did 100 laps around his garden to raise money mm-hmm. for the NHS, celebrated his 100th birthday today. The RAF did a special fly past his home with two wartime planes to honor him. He was made an honorary colonel, got a telegram from the Queen, and he has now raised over 30 million pounds. Wow. That's so great. Um, thank you for that update. Yes, that is so crazy. Um, he That man is so freaking dope. <laughs> he's so happy. He's just chilling. They like call him a hero and he's like, oh, I don't know if I'm a hero, but I just like him. It's the best ever. <sighs> All right, next up from Meredith. Um, Meredith says, good news, people needing abortions in Texas now have access to this essential medical procedure. While many still have to travel farther and go through more BS to get care than is equitable, the access flip-flopping during the early weeks of shelter-in-place was torture for patients and providers alike. Many people found out that they were pregnant just as they were losing jobs or having family members get ill. This is a major win for reproductive and human rights. Stay safe, y'all. Yay! Go Texas! Woohoo! Awesome. 
Thank you so much, Meredith. Biden's got a slight lead in Texas. Can you even imagine? I mean, I, I don't ha- I don't know that Biden will win Texas, but just that they have to fight for it makes me happy. Yeah. I mean, Beto did like, he didn't win, obviously, but he did really fucking well considering how much of a hold Ted Cruz had. Um, just Oh, yeah. Three points. I think he came within three points. Yeah. Yeah, so who knows? I mean, if all those folks have been energized and mobilizing this whole time, it's possible. Who knows? Mm-hmm. All right, next up from Chelsea. Chelsea says, I've got good news. As of the time I write this, West Virginia hasn't had a positive COVID test since yesterday. Wow. Wow. That is that is great news. That is very, very good news. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. Go West Virginia. Uh, next up from Kate. Kate says, we are moving from Gettysburg, where we have lived for the last five years, back to Chattanooga, Tennessee. In the last week, we found out that our 14-year-old kid, kid was accepted into one of the top schools there. My husband is going to be able to move and retain his job, and our neighbors look like they are going to buy our house. Even better, my mom is finally divorcing <gasps> her racist Trumper husband. Holy shit. I think that might be the most densely good news, good news we've ever gotten. There were, like, if that were a comedy bit, there would have been, like, six hit punchlines yes. in there with laughs. Yes. And, 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 and an applause break. That was so packed with good news. Congratulations to your entire family. That all, is all incredibly awesome. Hell yeah. Enjoy the move. That sounds sarcastic because moving is a pain in the ass. <laughs> but but seriously. That, Enjoy your move. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Enjoy the transformation. That's so cool for, for everybody. Yay. Uh, next up from Cindy. Cindy says, good news. Journalists Julie K. Brown and Emily Myshot? Mecot? M-I-C-H-O-T? Sorry. Michaud? Michaud? Do your French thing. Michaud? Michaud? Uh, I know. That's why now I just try to pronounce things in the most, like, incredibly American way possible because <laughs> I'm devastated by <laughs> over-fancifying it. Uh, uh, Michot. Yeah. Michot. Yes. Julie K. Brown and Emily Michot of the Miami Herald have won medals for courage and journalism for their coverage of Epstein's sex trafficking ring. That's cool. I had not seen that. Oh, cool. Did they get, um... Did they get the journalism Nobel prizes? Yeah, the, the, the yeah medals for courage and journalism. I'm not sure what the name was exactly. Oh no, I was just kidding. That's what Trump called the Pulitzer. Um, oh, oh, got it. Sorry, I didn't. Hear- <laughs> no medals for that's awesome. What is it? Medals for what? Medals of honor for journalism? That's what you just said. Yeah, medal medals for courage. Yeah, what did he call it? <laughs> the the journalism Nobel, not Nobel, oh. Nobel and O B L E. Oh God, that's. So funny and sad. He deleted those, by the way. <laughs> of course. Of course he did. Uh, thank God for that delete button. Can you imagine? Um, there's probably no more... I can't think of any... I mean, there are so many... Journalists just over the last four years have been so incredible. Their work has been entirely indispensable. But that story and what Miami Herald was doing, with what I imagine is a relatively small amount of resources compared to all the other you know, major news agencies, that, that's fucking incredible. Um, okay. Next up from Susan. Susan says, the provost approved my application for tenure at the fifth largest university in the United States in the middle of a pandemic, and I'm a journalism professor. Wow! Woo! Yay! That is so cool! How many Nobel Prizes do you have? (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Congratulations, Susan. That is amazing. I'm trying to think of what the fifth largest university is in the U.S. Fifth largest. Huh. I don't know. I don't know either. 
let us know if you want to. That's dope. I'm just curious. Um, but that's so cool. Did she not say in the beginning of the... No, she did not. She gave a general. Fifth largest... Yes, but that's so that's so cool. That's what a... In such times of uncertainty, tenure is the opposite of uncertainty. So that's so cool. Congratulations. It says University of Texas here is the fifth oh, largest. Oh, interesting. Uh, the Ohio State is number one, University of Florida number two, University of Minnesota number three, ASU number four, and University of Texas number five. I went to two of those. <laughs> oh, that's cool. UT, like, like UT Austin? Or they have different... Uh, it just says have... University of Texas. Cool. Very cool. All right. Congratulations, whatever school it is. That's so fucking cool. And that marks the end of our good news block. Uh, here we got some quarantine confessions coming up next. Okay, now we've got a nice, healthy set of quarantine confessions. I am so excited to go through these. They're always so fun. Kicking it off, we got one from Zach. Zach says, a follow-up to a previous quarantine confession. I withheld trimmed nose hairs with the probably irrational hope that it would help prevent breathing in coronavirus. It felt weird enough that I finally gave in last week and trimmed like normal. By the weekend, I started experiencing the allergies I normally get each spring. It could be a coincidence. It could be caused by the change in weather. But could be the nose hairs were a, thi- were a layer of allergy protection the whole time. I don't know. Shrug. <laughs> That's cool. It, just to think that yeah. something as, you know, seemingly inconsequential as nose hairs could make that big of a difference. I'd like to believe they can. Why don't you start a control? You could do like an entire scientific experiment about it. I think there's plenty of a lot of studies on it. Uh, we learned in in grade school or junior high or life science or something that the nose hairs helped keep particulates uh, and and shit out of your out of your lungs. Uh, but not for mouth breathers, y'all fuck. <laughs> yeah, kind of like how eyebrows catch shit for falling in your eyeball or eyelashes. Yeah. Yep, is that's the Both, is that the yeah. point of that? Yes, nice dual lines yeah, of defense. Yeah. Fucking evolution, man. Dual lines of defense. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice... And your boobs keep you from seeing your belly button. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just looked down. Can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> Made you look. <laughs> uh, too funny. Uh, okay. Next up from Jill. Jill says, Core Fashion. My eight-year-old daughter has ta- has taken to staying in her jammies most days since the school closed. Since she usually showers every other day, this means she has been staying in the same ones for a few days in a row. One of her favorite ensembles includes a white wife-beater tank top. This morning, I noticed several stains on it and inquired about their origins. She proceeded to lo- proudly identify each stain and the meal or beverage she'd consumed in the last few days that produced it. I realized that my child's clothing is basically a constellation of filth and felt slightly ashamed but she's still wearing it as i type this <laughs> constellation of filth is a <laughs> fucking great name for something <laughs> somebody um somebody did this uh i can't even remember where i saw it but they would take a white shirt that had like cough like i think it was a meme and they said if you spill coffee on your shirt just take a, a marker and outline them and then it'll look like you're wearing a tropical island shirt <laughs> <laughs> 
brilliant. You can name your islands. <laughs> God, that's the worst when you put on a new shirt and then you spill some shit on it. Ugh. I agree. Em- outline embracing it. Outline the stains and it'll it'll look like uh you visited a tropical island, yeah. atoll, or archipelago. I love that. Um all right, coming up next from Addie. Addie says, good news and a confession. The good news, my local cidery and taco stand, conveniently located across the street from one another, have teamed up and will deliver cans of craft brewed cider and fresh delicious tacos straight to your door. Yes. Fuck I you. Where do you to live? see that shit. That sounds so perfect. Where? I'm moving in. Yeah. Hey. I'm moving in. I uh, there's this pizza place in North Park that I did an under the table beer deal with through DoorDash. I like looked at their website and saw that normally they have beer, and then I called him and I was like, "Hey, do you guys deliver beer through DoorDash?" And he was like, "Let me check." I knew the answer was no. He's like, "Let me check," and then he comes back and he's like, "Ah, it doesn't look like we do, but maybe I could put some in a soup jar." And ask the driver to deliver it to you. And I was like, oh my god, if you're comfortable doing that, that would be so fucking awesome. This was like in the first two weeks of quarantine or something, so everybody was all freshly traumatized. And um, and he was being like a super huge homie. And then he's like, let me double check that that's okay and I'll call you back. And so he calls me, he calls me back like five minutes later. He's like, okay, it's okay. The driver said that they would do it and I took care of them. I threw in a couple slices of free pizza for them as a thank you. And it was like such a nice, nice. yeah, it was such a cool thing. I tipped the guy like a bunch of money over the phone. Um, it was, I say a bunch of money. I I mean, it was, a, it was you know, a tip, but I don't want to sell over inflate my my monetary status here but it was like just so it was very it was fun it's just so fun when people could like can do that stuff especially when alcohol is involved uh okay so <laughs> next up from addy addy says confession the cider and the tacos are both reasonably priced but there is a 35 dollar minimum for delivery i'm quarantining alone so that turns out to be more cider than i can drink before the caving before the craving for tacos strikes again there's literally no other way (laughs) to get these tacos right now i can't stop as a result i'm running out of places to keep all this cider and i'm going to have to throw one (laughs) hell of a party when this is all over (laughs) that's so great that reminds me of like every time you order it back in the day uh every time you ordered a porn from uh i think adam and eve they would send you like one of those 1970s hard plastic vibrators oh god and so and so like you'd order all this porn but you'd have like a drawer full of like 60 vibrators and so my friend and i were like what do we do like roommate and i were like what the fuck and so we decided you know how like a lot of folks like leave uh their bottles and cans out of the dumpster so that the people who can can come by and collect it and sell it you know and and turn it in for money uh we're we're like let's do that let's let's put them in like empty six packs and just set them out on <laughs> by the dumpster and see if see if anybody needs them oh my god yes ah <laughs> uh, i love it i love all of it i wonder why can't you just get the tacos on their own can you do that? Or you only, you got to do the, you got to do <laughs> no, the No, yeah, they, they, <laughs> I don't know. That'd be so great. No, you have to take booze with you. <laughs> no, it's a Pavlovian situation. Yes. No, uh, no booze, no tacos. You can't have it. Also, 
you want to maintain the serotonin boost that you got when you first realized you could get the two in tandem. So if you start separating them, you're going to lose the added happiness, even if you're not going to drink the cider. It's science, really. <laughs> um, <laughs> cider science. <laughs> Okay, uh, next up from Karen. Karen says, I can tell... I, I only said that because that's such a controversial name nowadays. Karen. Um, Karen? Did you see my tweet today about yes, Karen's, by the way? about Pence's wife. <laughs> I said I was today years old when I realized, when it occurred to me, that Pence's wife's name is Karen. And she's like, she's like the ultimate supreme of all the Karens. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. Um, okay. Karen says, I can tell I'm getting bored these days because I'm starting to obsess about all of the memes and jokes about my name. Karen. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So when you don't read these first. Yeah. Oh, God. That's so funny. Like the time I got all the way through a confession and then they said, please don't read this on the air. (laughs) Yes. Don't put that at the end. Yes. Put that up front. Yes. That's so funny. Um, on Tuesday, there there was even a WAPO opinion piece about it. But when I explained the origins and meaning of the Karen name to my hu- oh Karen meme to my husband, he started laughing uncontrollably. Um, uh oh, I take his point. <laughs> <laughs> I take your question. That's so funny. I feel like, God, it is. What a crazy! Can you think of another name? Like it's just so interesting you know, culturally or whatever you want to call it. I can't think of another time this has happened around a name. Mm-mm. That's so f- interesting. No. Just, yeah, word-wise. Um, what is that shit called? The study of, like, words and language? Language. Etymology. Yes. Would it fall under that? Maybe. Who knows? Some sort of fusion of that and sociology or psychology or some shit. Anyway, very interesting. Uh, anthropology, who knows, all the ologies. Finally, from Nicolette. Nicolette says, since the quarantine has started, my work at home schedule has changed from 8 to 5 to 6 to 9.30, then break, and then 12.30 to 5. I honestly don't know how I am going to function when I can't take my afternoon naps when we go back to the office. I am extremely concerned about this. Yeah, that is, (laughs) that is all over the place. Yeah. Require it. Yeah. Say, hey, we're going to need naps in the middle of the day from now on. Yeah. Well, then. Oh, I Karen. I read that so dumb. From eight to five, not to eight to five. I was like, wait, you work from eight to five, then six to nine thirty, then twelve thirty to five. What fucking job is this? <laughs> All right, that makes a lot more sense. Uh, yes, still a walkie schedule. A three-hour break, huh? You're gonna have to take a French lunch. A for lunch. They take long ass lunches. The siesta. Yeah, Germany they do it too. Everything's fucking closed at lunch. Yes. They're all at home drinking, sleeping. Yeah. And and just like the amount of time they take to eat food takes so much longer. Me and my mom went to France once and we're like, you know, Americans that can't soak in the beauty of any moment. So we're just like trying to rush through our meal and shit and we're sitting there probably for like a decent half hour after our plates were like licked clean you know we're just looking around like where the hell is the waiter right now what is happening and my mom finally like waves the guy over she's like hey can we get like the check or or something and he's like oh you're american yeah here people kind of just like linger and chill you know we don't really like rush stuff (laughs) we're like okay that's actually really beautiful but 
can we can we still get the check (laughs) 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 all right that's our quarantine confessions everybody thank you you can send your good news and quarantine confessions in to us at daily beans pod and yeah let us know if you want to be anonymous uh, or if there's any limits uh, to your being read on air beforehand <laughs> in your message, please. But <laughs> thank you for the people that sent those in. Yes, thank you so much. And thanks for the good news stories. Um, any final thoughts, Jordan? <sighs> no, I don't think so. Have a great weekend as much as you can. I like how you're surprised every time I ask. I know. I live <laughs> I live in the moment, AG. <laughs> you're like, oh, one of these days I'll have a final thought. Um Hey, same with me. So uh, I'll just leave it with the the good old sign off. Everybody take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Coburn. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>